Welcome to the Psychedelic Integration Podcast. I'm Sinclair Fleetwood, your psychedelic life coach, and I teach you how to connect with your soul mission, follow your heart, and make lasting changes in your life by creating a sacred spiritual partnership with plant medicines. Learn easy tools, tips, and integration strategies that will demystify the psychedelic renaissance and open the way for you to come back home to yourself. If I can do it, you can do it too. Find out how here. Hello, hello, family. I'm Sinclair Fleetwood, Psychedelic Life Coach. This is the Psychedelic Integration Podcast with me, Integration Guide, Medicine Woman, your friend from the internet. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening. And can I say, I want to say thanks to you guys for doing this work, for being willing to go into your own darkness, to face your trauma, to buy the ticket and take the ride, you know, to do the hard stuff the scary, heavy lifting, and to say, yeah, I'm not going to take these medications anymore. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to listen to myself. So thank you for reorienting your ship towards your own true north, your own north star, your own using your own compass instead of the standard issue one. I am about to open the doors for my new 12-week group integration program. It's called NEST, and I called it NEST because we're going to be building a home inside of ourselves, piece by piece, twig by twig, fuzz by fuzz. You're going to have all the tools and the support that you need to come home to yourself, to really reorient that compass to your inner knowing to trust yourself and to make a soft landing for all of this work, this medicine work, the work of life, the medicine of life. You know, this is a perfect container for you. If you're going through a big transition, if you need support moving from one phase into the next phase, if you are tired of wandering the earth, (laughs) looking for your people and trying to do all this, you know, healing and growth and being your favorite self by yourself. We're not meant to be doing this by yourself. It takes a village. And I love group containers because it enables you to get support, not just from me, but in a, in connection with other people with the intention of healing and growth and expansion on this path together. So Nest is opening in just next Friday on the 20th, and we start on the 30th. And if you want to be one of the first to join, because it's going to be a small group, so don't wait, go to my website, SinclairFleetwood.com, and get on the wait list. So you will be getting the first opportunity to join as soon as it opens. So uh, I have been in a a special kind of hell for the last few weeks. (laughs) Because I am in the process of trying to sublet my apartment and find a new place to live. And oh my God, Facebook Marketplace is really a special kind of awful. It's, I have posts up asking people to contact me. I'm also contacting people looking at new places and I'm getting the both sides of the super fun experience of trying to find housing. And I love people. I love meeting new people. I enjoy people. I like talking to them and I work with people for a living. I do this podcast. I'm always talking to people I don't know. It's part of the work that I do. I, you know, I believe that the 
sharing online and all of that that I do is service. You know, I'm, I'm doing it to support the family. And the thing about interacting with people in my work is that typically people that are here listening to me and following me and, and like interacting with me have a level of self-awareness of kindness of general human decency because they're on a path of awakening and growth. And I feel valued by my community. We value each other's time. We value each other's being. We value each other's energy. We are kind and considerate people. If someone emails me or asks me a question about this podcast or working with me, they're going to hear back from me 100% of the time. That's how I roll. I respond to people. I take time to give them my attention and my energy. And that is just not how the regular world works. (laughs) The regular world, it would be like, okay, let's, if Facebook Marketplace was a store, like a clothing store or something, it would be like somebody walks in, grabs a bunch of stuff off the rack, throws it on the counter and says, is this stuff available? And then they just walk out of the room and never speak to you again. This has happened to me so many times. I had a really upset woman come to my house a half hour early before we were supposed to meet and bang on my door a bunch while I was on a client call. I have been ghosted. I have been yelled at. People leave mean comments on my apartment listing because they're mad because it's expensive. And I'm like, fam, I didn't set the price. Yeah, it is expensive. Housing is expensive. Like we should all be mad about this, but not, please don't be mad at me. (laughs) So it's been a journey. It's been a journey that I'm still on. And um, it actually inspired me to create a podcast about competition and comparison and this societal orientation that we have to compete with each other and And not just compete with each other. We're competing in every aspect of our lives. We compete with ourselves. We compete with our friends and family and inside of our relationships. We are competing for housing. We're competing for food. We're competing for resources. And from a really young age, we're taught to start measuring everything. You know, are you good at taking tests? Are you good at sports? What does your body look like? Are you in the right percentile? Like even as a baby, they measure the baby and they're like, okay, this baby is in the 80th percentile of a hundred. So you're at this height and it's like, everything is a competition. I mean, babies who are, who are not even born yet are competing to get into preschools and elementary schools before they've even gotten here. It's completely wild, right? And it's not just in school. It's, it's everywhere. We have to compete. Once we get out of school, we compete for jobs. We compete to get into college. We have to compete at the university to stay in the university or to stay in our school. I mean, the whole grading system is competition. Um, Jobs are so competitive. And we have just made an agreement that this is how it works, right? We all agree inside this system that in order to support yourself, to feed yourself, to have a place to live, you have to compete. You have to compete for a partner. I literally cannot think of any aspect of our society that doesn't require or feed off of competition. There's, you know, once you get the job, you have to compete to keep the job. You have to, you have to get performance reviews and quotas. There's always performance. Everything is an assembly line of competition where you're consistently having to fight and struggle and like hustle just to survive. We've even taken the joyful, pleasurable things in our lives besides school and jobs and housing and cars and transportation and healthcare. 
because all of that stuff is super competitive and expensive and difficult. We have decided that our entertainment should be competition. So we have all the sports ball is competition and I call it all sports ball because I'm not a sports person. They, most of them have balls, sports ball. Now fashion, you know, fashion shows are competition and singing is competition and cooking is competition. I was at a restaurant having dinner with my friends and inside the restaurant, there were like a million TVs. And on one of the TVs, while I was eating dinner, there was a cooking competition show on the TV and they were making like ghoulish cakes, like scary cakes. And I guess the contest was to see like who is going to make the most elaborate scary cake. It was scary and I did not want to be watching it. And I, I really dislike <laughs> when there's TVs in public places where I'm like, cause your, your eyes can't help, but look at it, right? Like it's like movement. So your eyes are like constantly looking at it. And I don't know why we need all these TVs. That's a whole nother podcast, right? We've made our entertainment competition. We've made our love life competition with our dating apps. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how I feel about dating apps. I spent probably 10 years on different dating apps. I did them all. I did OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, Match.com. I think I skipped eHarmony, probably. Um, Tinder, obviously. And even some, a couple of spiritual ones that were new coming out when I was at the end of my, my era of dating apps. And here, here's what I have to say about dating apps. And please don't take offense if you met your current significant other on a dating app. This is my general feeling about it. Dating apps are not cool. They are wiring our brains to get a dopamine rush from matching with someone. And so then the goal of the app should be to help you meet people that you might have a strong connection with. But what happens instead is we get addicted to the swiping and the looking at new people. And it creates a catalog of, of people and it depersonalizes us and desensitizes us to the fact that this is a human being on the other end of this phone. Luckily, I have not had to do this in many years and I don't intend to do it anymore. And the swiping and the choosing and the choosing and then the rush you get when somebody matches with you, this feels, it feels like a competitive way of trying to meet people and you're also competing with yourself because what if there's someone better? What if someone someone just one swipe away is better. What if the grass is greener? And it creates this like loop of dissatisfaction because when you have endless choice and endless opportunities, it's really difficult to be satisfied. So I started thinking about all of this because I'm having this experience with, with like going into the world and having to find a house and, and wanting to find someone to come into my house and the way that people are behaving makes me feel like there's a layer of humanity that's missing. And the spiritual soft-hearted earth witch in me is like, what the fuck? Why the fuck is it like this? I actually don't believe in competition. I don't want to compete. I don't want to compete for jobs. I don't want to compete for clients. I don't want to compete for, I don't want to compete for anything. And you may be feeling that way too. Like, why is it so hard? Why is it that to get the basic necessities in life, housing, food, job, connection, love, a place to live, like 
why is everything so competitive and why does it take so much effort to secure the basic things in life? And does it have to be this way? Because some people would say, well, this is how, you know, this is how our society is. Well, we're competing because the resources are scarce. And some people might say, well, this is how we evolved. This is how life works. And Charles Darwin said that survival of the fittest is how evolution works. Supposedly, allegedly. And I was looking into this and I was like, did he actually say that? And it turns out, no, he did not say that actually. What he said was that survival of the fittest is part of the evolutionary history of humans, but groups of made up of self-interested people will fail more than they succeed. So he was saying that an individual that is working on self-interest may get ahead, but groups of those individuals will not. And people who care about others and work in collaboration is how we actually evolved and succeeded. Our success in evolution as a species came from, from living in tribes and compassion and cooperation. Global society favors compassion over callous competition. It's literally in the science. And he wasn't even the person that came up with survival of the fittest. It was this other guy. We don't actually have to be like this. It's how we're programmed. And I know like in the last year, probably forever, I don't know, I've been talking a lot about these programs, like the, the socialization, the indoctrination that we receive from our culture, from our institutions, from our schools, from our parents, from our government. And the reason that I'm always talking about that is because so much of the awakening work with, with plant medicine and psychedelics is this work of like to put it in data terms, finding the bugs in your program. And, and a lot of these programs are running on autopilot under the surface and we don't even know that they're there. When you eat mushrooms, when you drink ayahuasca, when you sit with San Pedro, when you take peyote, when you have these medicine experiences, you are supercharging your ability to see the glitch in the program. And then your consciousness is like, Nope, I don't agree with that. And I, in fact, I never chose to agree with that. I was handed this, I was given this agreement and I don't agree. And so when you realize in yourself that you don't agree with something that you have been programmed with or given, it is your responsibility to investigate that, to examine it and to feel the feelings that you're feeling about it, right? It feels crazy when you start looking at competition and comparison on a macro level, like, okay, here are all the ways that this happens in society, which I've just been talking about. I mean, I could do, <laughs> I could do an entire podcast just of like pointing out all the places where humans are competing with each other. Everything is, is in fractals, right? So if something is happening on a, on a macro level, on a global level, on a system-wide level, it's also going to be happening in the individual. So the medicine is showing us you know, here are all of these systems that are out of order, out of balance, dysfunction. And we look at these huge things like the environment and our food system and, you know, our healthcare system, all of these things that are such huge bureaucratic like machines. And we think, you know, how will I ever, there's nothing I can do about this huge machine. And the path to solving these issues is to, zoom in and with competition, looking at yourself and saying, okay, I see this agreement. I see that I, I don't agree with this. This doesn't resonate with me. 
So the work of the integration of understanding that is asking yourself, where am I competing? So where are you competing in your life? Do you compete inside your work? Do you compete with your, with your work colleagues? Do you, com- do you compete with your boss? I used to always compete with my bosses because I'm like, I don't like being bossed. <laughs> so I would make it really hard for them to boss me. And I know that's shocking. <laughs> you definitely compete with yourself. We all do. And this is something we're trained to do from school. You know, we think school is teaching us the basics of life, but what school is really doing is, is brainwashing you so that you will be a good citizen. And by good citizen, it's somebody who doesn't really have a lot of free thinking, who doesn't ask questions, who follows orders and does what you're supposed to do on command. They put us on a bell system. They train us like a monkey, you know, to eat at a certain time, to spend your entire day indoors, learning a lot of mental focus and putting attention, making children sit in quiet, you know, classrooms, doing a bunch of learning, mentally focused learning, which is not really the best way that we learn. We actually learn through play and art and music and, and all of these things that they are like, no, we don't have, we don't have money for that. We want to only focus on the academics. Why is it like that? So that we can be controlled so that we stay inside the system. You know, essentially they use bells because like, that's what they use in factories. That's where the bells come from is training people to work in factories. Public school is not, it's not designed to educate us and make us smart, free thinkers with you know, the capacity for rational thought. And I mean, do you learn anything in school that is actually valuable? Did you learn how to take care of your finances? Did you learn how not to get in trouble with credit? Did you learn how to manage your health with, by eating a healthy diet and exercising and taking care? They're not teaching us that stuff. This is not a conspiracy theory, by the way. This is just a fact of the education system. And it's, it's, I imagine, much worse than it was when I was in school. And we are socialized and taught competition so that we will maintain the status quo, so that we will go into jobs, so we will not complain. We will work our 40 or 60-hour weeks and get our paychecks and keep paying with our time, energy, and money to the people at the top of the system. That's how it works. And, you know, our job and our responsibility as spiritual warriors who are awakening is to dream about a different civilization, a different society, a different way of living. And the beginning of that dream has to start with dismantling the programs that don't serve us. You know, the program of what you've been given and looking at it and you know, some of you listening to this might have benefited from all the competition. Maybe you're at the top of the food chain, you know, maybe you're somebody that owns a big business and employs a lot of people. And when people compete for jobs at your workplace, it's really good for you because you, then you get the best person. But I would ask you to ask yourself, what does it mean to hire the best person? Does it mean this person went to the fanciest schools and has the best resume? Or does it mean something else? Could it mean the best person for this job is a person of color? Because maybe you don't have that many people of color on your staff and you want to have more diversity and reflect the actual society that you're serving. 
Maybe you want to have different kinds of people at your job. Maybe you should hire a woman or a person with a disability because that person isn't getting as easy a chance as somebody else who has the same qualifications but doesn't have the disability. There's lots of ways you can ask yourself how you can flip the competition and make it into something beneficial. Because the thing is, competition is not inherently bad. It's the way that we're using it. It's the dominance of competition in every area. That it's the only way that people are able to get opportunities and chances. And that's why privilege and circumstance is so valuable. Because if you start out way ahead, you're already winning the race. A lot of us don't want to do it like that anymore. If we want to live in a different world, we are the ones that have to start making the change. The change is not going to come from the institutions. It's not going to come from the government. It's not going to come from on high. It is going to come from the ground up. The change is going to grow out of the earth into us. It grows in the medicine and the medicine grows it in us. So if you don't resonate with competition and comparison, how can you look at your own life and look where you're in competition and soften that and maybe shift it to something else? So here, here's something that first kind of came to me in my own life, a way that I could really look at this comparison and competition. And comparison is a little bit different, but it's, it's sort of like the, the other cousin to competition. And comparison is when, well, you compare yourself to people and use other people as a measure of how valuable you are and how worthy you are. And man, let me tell you, there's a lot of people in the world that are badass and good and, and, you know, better than you, quote unquote, better than you. They might be more athletic, more beautiful, more rich, more young. And somebody is always going to be better than you in that, you know, if we're, (laughs) I don't like to say that because that's not what I'm trying to like actively not use the valuation of better um, because better is irrelevant. It's like, they're not better. They're just different. And some people have different abilities than you. And some people have different bodies than you. And people have different amounts of money and we have different skills and we have different talents and interests. And the thing is, there's only one you. You are a unique, magical snowflake. You are a special human soul. Comparing yourself to other people is really a form of of self-harm, of using this outward orientation to tear yourself down. Here's an example that came up for me. Um, I'm on Instagram, and I have a love-hate Instagram relationship. I love the connection. I love information. I love learning. I love being connected to people through social media. And I also hate it for how it, it's designed to trigger you. You know, it's designed to poke at your insecurities because they really, ultimately their goal is not to connect us, it's to sell us stuff. Let's say that you're on Instagram and you're scrolling and you see a post from a good friend of yours who has an event and their event is sold out. Your reaction is maybe jealousy, envy, maybe thinking something bad about them or these competitive reactions are not supportive. They're not excitement for your friends. 
They're not like, I really want my friend to do well. I want my friend to succeed. I want people to receive my friend's medicine. That's not what we're trained to do. We're trained to be jealous. And that if they succeed, that that means we can't succeed. Like success or success. Another word that is a totally loaded word. Doing well and having abundance and thriving that there's only so many, so many spaces for people to do that. And that if somebody is doing that, then that means that's one less space for you to do it. And that is just false. This is a false understanding of how the world works, you know, because of this lens of competition, we believe that we believe so many things that are false. We believe that you have to hustle to death to do well. We believe that you have to suffer and sacrifice to do well. We believe that you have to be lucky or privileged to do well. And we believe there's only a certain amount of abundance available and that, you know, we're all fighting for these little pieces of the pie. When in reality, all abundance comes from source. All prosperity comes from source. And that means it is infinite and unlimited. It's really hard for our brains to take this on because our brain is like, mm, I don't know. That's not what I see. I see that there's a lot of money and mostly only a few people have it. And I'm down here fighting for the scraps with these other people. And it's like, okay, that's one way to look at it. Or another way to look at it is that there's an unlimited amount of money. There's an unlimited amount of abundance. There's an unlimited amount of love. There's an unlimited amount of resources. And when you are in balance with the flow of the universe, all of that is accessible to you. And that is a huge mindset shift from being in competition, being in scarcity and, you know, knowing that trusting that all of your needs are always met in amazing ways and letting go of the idea that you have to hustle and work yourself to the bone in order to get a tiny slice of the pie. And so this is a way that we compete with ourselves, you know, how are you in competition with yourself? And one of my main places in my, my self competition is needing to be better, needing to be healed. These, I mean, it's really perfectionism. These are sort of abstract arms of perfectionism, but like needing to constantly be on a path of being a more awesome version of yourself or you're not good enough. That is a form of internal competition. It's a competition that you have within that feeds the perfectionism voice. It feeds the inner critic you know, the part of you that's telling you that whatever you do is not enough, that it's not good enough somehow, that you're not right enough, how you are is not okay. And that same voice that's also telling you like that you can't, you know, like you can't get that job. There's too many other people. Your voice isn't needed because there's somebody else that's already doing what you're, what you want to do. It's the voice that cuts you down when you have an impulse to express yourself, to be yourself. And the best tool to eradicate competition from your internal landscape is to believe 100% with your whole heart that you are valuable exactly as you are, that your voice and your talents and your gifts and your presence and your existence and your being in this world are unique and special and needed. Because what we don't need is more magical, talented, beautiful, gifted people spending all their energy and time and money beating themselves up, trying to look better or do some kind of overhaul in themselves and then they can share their gifts and when they're healed then I mean the amount of money that we spend on how we look 
is so ridiculous. And I know it's a lot because I am constantly getting bombarded with ads telling me you're getting old, you're getting wrinkled, you better do something about this because this is like terrible, you know? Like what could I what could you be doing with your energy instead of competing with yourself? What would you be doing with your time? When you are constantly telling yourself that how you do things is not good enough or this idea that you have isn't good enough or there's no possible way you could make it in the space of whatever you're trying to do, how can you start to soften? How can you start to let go of the need to win and that winning is the ultimate goal? This is a really big shift, you know? This is a big piece of the program that we just take for granted, that it's just like part of the operating system well, we have to compete. And <laughs> it's hard to change these, these habits and thought patterns that we all have that tell us that we're not good enough or they're, that we're, we're not going to be the best. And like I said earlier, somebody is always going to be better, better than you. That's the thing about living on a planet of 8 billion people. Somebody is better than you at everything. Unless you're like, I don't know, Beyonce or Oprah or some excellent person who does an excellent thing, the most best out of everyone, you know, world record holders in, in like, I'm the fastest on the planet. Okay. That that's like one guy, everybody else. He's like better than them. Okay. So so, (laughs) someone's going to be better than you. They're going to be faster than you. They're going to be younger than you. They're going to be thinner than you. They're going to be smarter than you. They're going to have more money than you. They are going to have more degrees than you. They are going to be having done it longer. They are going to have had more opportunities and been born in a cooler place and like had every privilege that exists. Does that mean you shouldn't try? No. Does it mean you can't do awesome stuff in your life? No. Does it mean you don't deserve to have a good, fulfilling, juicy life? No. What it does mean is you get the opportunity to stop giving a fuck about this ranking system that we have all bought into. Who says that being number one is the best thing? Did you decide that or did someone hand that to you? I would venture to say that if you can stop caring about being the best or being better or competing with yourself and competing with other people and, and instead let it go, let it be what it is, let go of the wheel, man. <laughs> See what happens. It is wild when you just decide like, I'm just not going to try so fucking hard. I'm going to lower my expectations. I'm not going to do my best. I'm going to just enjoy myself. I've been laughing about this as I was thinking about this podcast, making this podcast. And I'm like, I'm from Texas. So this is probably why this is. Um, But I've been thinking about like treating life like you're Matthew McConaughey. And the reason that I'm choosing Matthew McConaughey is because everybody knows that his vibe is just like kind of stoned, you know, kind of chill. He's just his whole persona is all right, all right, all right, you know. He's just like, however it is, man. And I actually have a story about Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) I met Matthew McConaughey at a wedding once when I was like 19. And this was a very big deal because the wedding was in my hometown of Amarillo, Texas. And it was the wedding 
of his best friend. I think the groom was like his best friend from when they were young. And so it was a big deal because Matthew McConaughey is at this, this wedding in Amarillo, Texas. And I was like, Oh my God, like literally Matthew McConaughey is here. I was 19. You know, this was like Dazed and confused was like a movie that I loved. And he was like very handsome. And I was out smoking tobacco on the porch of this, of this country club or wherever. And Matthew McConaughey comes out. This was after the ceremony had happened and he comes out and he has to his, Oh God, I will never forget this. He has his, his tie is open. His tux, his tuxedo shirt is open, like three buttons. And he's wearing this like huge turquoise necklace and he's just sauntering around outside and he looks at me and he's like, Hey babe, can I borrow your lighter? And I was like, Oh my God, Matthew McConaughey just talked to me because I was, you know, 19 and he's very cute and charming. And yeah, I gave him my lighter and I think he took it and I think he didn't even give it back to me. But the thing is, (laughs) the thing is that like, okay, (laughs) the reason this story popped into my mind is because, you know, we're at a wedding, like it's a very fancy wedding. It's at a fancy country club and people are supposed to be fancy and like, you know, put together. And Matthew McConaughey is like, fuck this shit. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to go outside and probably smoke some weed on the porch, take my tie off, wear my turquoise. Like he doesn't give a fuck. And the thing is, we don't have to be so invested in this system. That's not serving us. The competition is not serving us. It's serving the, you know, the culture overlords who are running the show who benefit from us fighting with each other. And, and the competition is, is individual, but Everything is competition, including politics and the factions and groups that we get inside of, um, where we align ourselves with other people who think like us inside of our echo chambers. And our competition is with the people who don't think like us. And so we're just constantly in these, these fights between groups of people, the groups that we identify with, that we feel where we belong we gather together and we're like, look at how this, we're better than this other side. I mean, war is competition. It's often ideological, you know, resources. And who has the biggest fucking army? Who has the most bombs? Who can kill the most people? Competition is not a healthy tenant of society. It's not good on a macro level and it's definitely not good on the micro level and the individual level. Competing with myself does not make me feel good. I don't like competition. I don't like engaging in, you know, I'm having to find this house. I don't like the way that this goes down. What I would, what I want is for, and what I tell myself throughout this process is the perfect place is already decided for me. It's already selected and I don't have to do anything. It's going to come to me. And that is the way that I want to live my life. I feel better when I let things be as they are. It is a much more feminine, gentle, fucking Matthew McConaughey way to be. It's not masculine. Competition is a masculine, a toxic masculine trait that we have, the way that we do it. And the way that it's masculine, it's not that it's, that it's inherently a masculine trait because women can, women can be deadly competitors. It's, it's not a gender thing. It's, It's masculine in its energy, in this achievement and doing and like stepping over each other and having to be the best and winning. That is the toxic piece of it, right? Looking inward, looking at the systems and communities, groups that you're a part of, 
and bringing your new consciousness that these psychedelic medicines have given you, they're inviting you to look at yourself softly and say, everybody wins. There's enough for all of us. There is space for everyone. It was funny. I heard uh, this older gentleman, I was at a coffee shop or something, and he was talking about how oh, this younger generation, like everybody gets a trophy and nobody wins anymore and it's making everybody soft and nobody knows how to compete and how to win. And I was over, I was like overhearing this guy and I was like, yeah, (laughs) that sounds awesome. And in his mind, he was horrified, you know, because in his mind, the competition is what makes you strong. But I would counter that it takes strength to choose not to compete. It takes strength to trust that whatever is meant for you will reach you, whether or not you strive and configure and try to make it happen. And that's what I was saying about like having this energy of receiving and trusting and knowing that everything is working out, man. Everything is always working out for my benefit. And then you have, you know, all this energy and time and money free to take care of yourself in whatever way you see fit. Not because you're trying to fulfill some quota or do things because you should. You genuinely want to explore a part of yourself. The exercise that you do. Do you actually enjoy doing that? Are you doing it because you feel like you need to be a better version of yourself in some way? Because if that is the only reason that you're doing it, I invite you to do something fun that also gives you a good workout. You know, we're adults. We don't have to choose to be miserable. We don't have to choose to fight when we don't want to fight. In fact, this is part of the process of surrender and laying down the struggle. Competition is struggle. And I can tell you, (laughs) I will never, ever get on another dating app as long as I live because I refuse to look at human beings and potential partners like they're in a catalog for me to choose from. I want an organic, magical, serendipitous meeting full of romance and fire and, and reality. And I deserve to have that. And I believe that's possible. And so that's how it's going to be. That's how we get to decide that our life can work. It's safe not to compete because everything you need will be delivered to you. That's what it looks like in the individual. What does it look like in our relationships and our friendships? A lot of us, if we're being really honest with ourselves, have a hard time feeling happy for our friends who are doing well. And I really want that to set in because it's hard to look at that in yourself, especially if you consider yourself to be a, you know, a moral person, a spiritual person, a good friend, a supportive person. When you see your friend doing well, are you celebrating them or do you feel jealous? Are you supporting them or are you feeling envy and anger and like, oh, well, whatever, If she got there, she must be cheating or she must be, you know, doing something, doing something under the table or whatever. You know, think about that. How can we expect to do well ourselves when we are even subconsciously tearing down our friends and not supporting them and not wanting them to do well? This is the insidious trap of of competition because competition doesn't want you to want your friends to do well. Competition wants us to be jealous of each other. Competition wants you to be peering over the neighbor's fence and be like, oh, hmm, looks like they got a new car. Must be nice. Oh, hmm, looks like they're adding a deck. Must be nice. I mean, that is literally keeping up with the Joneses, right? I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a society where I'm tearing my friends down. That's not friendship. That's competition. 
And the thing is, <laughs> there is only one you. That's the really cool part about this. There is only ever going to be one you, ever, in the history of everything, ever. Only one. You are the only one who can you. You are the only one who has your skills, your talent, your personality, your body, your experiences, everything that makes you up, that makes you special and magical only belongs to you. And if you don't express it at its highest capacity in yourself by not competing with yourself, by not competing with your friends, by just opening the floodgates of you and being yourself and taking off the masks and knowing deep in your deepest heart that that's enough, then you are taking the opportunity to experience you away from the whole world. And literally, how dare you? You can't keep your magic from the world. For me, the place where I notice the competition the most is when I would see people I love and care about having success and feeling jealous about it. And I started looking at that jealousy and that envy and I was like, hmm, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that about myself. I don't want to feel that way. And starting to investigate it and asking, okay, why are you, why are you not rooting for your sister? Why are you not rooting for your brother's success? What is happening in, in them, for them, that is making you feel jealous? Why do I feel this way? I love this person. I want them to do well. But there's also a part of me that doesn't want them to do well. And why is that? And as I investigated it more and more, I recognized that the part of me that didn't want them to do well was a reflection of a fear in me of not being good enough. It literally has absolutely nothing to do with them. Absolutely nothing. And it's always like that because it's always a mirror. You know, whatever thing is making you uncomfortable is a mirror to show you that what is in yourself that you need to put your attention on to change that response. Because that reaction of jealousy and, and not, and like, okay, they're doing well. And in the rules of competition, that means if they're doing well, it means I'm not going to do well. And I must not be doing well because I'm not good enough. And it's just a program. It is a learned response. We are not in competition with each other. We are here to support each other. And that reaction of jealousy is, a, is, is just that. It's just a learned reaction. It's a program. So I started thinking like, why do I compare myself to anyone? Why do I compare myself to friends? Why am I comparing myself to other coaches? Why am I comparing myself to people on the medicine path who are further along than me? I would be like looking at the internet and spend all day like, oh, she's doing this better and I'm never going to make it. And just telling myself over and over. And if I had really sat and onboarded and listened to all of that self-criticism and that like, you know, these obstacles that my brain was trying to put up, I never would have made this show. This would, I would not be making episode 72 or whatever this is. I would never have kept going. Because this show, I know that you might disagree with me, but this show is not the best show in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's good, but it's not the best. I'm just a lady with a really big desire to share myself and express myself. And I have a microphone I don't have a fancy team. I don't have I don't have Audrey Marcus and his guests. I don't have like Gabor Mate is not on my podcast. I want to say, Dr. Gabor Mate, if you are listening to this, please come on my show anytime you like. You're welcome here. 
But the thing is, I didn't want to hold myself back because it wasn't going to be perfect because I wasn't going to be able to invest thousands of dollars and get fancy famous people on here. I really wanted to do it and I keep doing it like that. I I sit here and I just figure things out while I'm sharing it with you. I don't make outlines. I mean, I will hit talking points sometimes, but I really like it to be an organic channeled flow from the universe because that's how it's fun for me. And if I let myself start saying, oh, I should get more followers, I need more listeners, I should make this better quality, you know, I need to be making more money from this, more than zero dollars, because that's how much I make from it, I need to pay someone, blah, 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 blah. Inside of that I should scenario, I am creating a competitive, stressful, pressure-filled atmosphere for myself. And this show would start to suck. And no matter how much money I'm paying to make it fancy, it doesn't feel good. So competition doesn't have to be the default. It can be a program that you used to run. And the thing is, this is like a lot of things in our society that you have to deal with when you are on the path of awakening. And I don't want to say up leveling, but it's like you're bringing your consciousness into a new iteration And you will have to compete sometimes. You might have to go on Facebook Marketplace and find a place to live in Godspeed, my friend. I will send prayers for you and your family. And that's okay, you know? We can be in acceptance for the way that the system works in some ways that we can't do anything about it, you know? Not everything is going to get fixed overnight. Sometimes we have to participate in things that feel shitty. And that's how it is. And you can go on, you know, you can go on Facebook Marketplace, you can deal with the general public, and you can be in kindness and compassion. And that's what you put out. And the more you put out kindness and compassion and, and collaboration, the more that's what you're going to get back. And when you believe that everything is working out in your benefit, and that rejection is protection, and everything that is lost is because some new more aligned version is coming, it's really hard to be upset and to compete because you recognize that nothing is competition, that the universe is serving up your needs on a platter all the time. That's what starting a new kind of life looks like. The old way has to die and the new way has to be born. And like I said, it's not going to come from an institution. Like the president of the United States, Joe Biden, is not going to stand up in front of the White House and say, Hear ye, hear ye, citizens of the United States of America, we will no longer be competing. Everybody will be getting jobs based on the aligned fit with their heart. Everyone will be getting jobs based on their strengths and their suitability and compatibility with the role and how beneficial it would be for everyone to be, for them to be in that role. And that's how jobs will be given now. And everyone will receive a house and no one will be homeless. And for people who have seven houses, they will only have one house. Like, that's not going to happen. Not in, not in this iteration of, of our capitalist dystopia, you know, but we can do it in small groups. We can do it in families, in our chosen families. We can do it in our communities. We can do it in ourselves. We can do it in our workplaces. If you own a business, change the way that you hire people inside of your romantic relationship. Start being each other's cheerleaders. Your partner is there to support you and love you. And you're there to support and love them. And it's not a competition. And we compete so much in our romantic relationships. And that's where we start to get resentment. You know, that's where we, we stop remembering that we're a team, that we 
adore this person. We want so much for them to have everything they need in life. Instead, sometimes in our relationships, we look at each other like with that lens of not good enough because that's how we're looking at ourselves. So when you are looking at the, with the lens of competition in yourself and not good enoughness and inner criticism, that is how you are going to relate to everyone in your life. The only place you can start with is yourself. We want to make these big sweeping changes. We look at like, oh my God, everything is so competitive. This is so broken. You know, it's, it can be really overwhelming when you, when you look at the macro system and this huge machine, but you can stop it. You want to know what to do about war? Be in peace. Peace is a practice. Peace is a practice, not a hope. Thich Nhat Hanh said that, the Vietnamese Buddhist teacher. What it takes to shift from fighting and arguing and mine, you know, the ego wants to own, but we don't own anything. You don't own anything. Ownership is a competitive concept that's not real. You think you own the land that you live on? The land doesn't belong to you. You can't own the water. You can't own the air. You can't own the trees and the sky. You can't own the earth. The earth is a sovereign, sentient being who allows us to live on her. We don't own anything. It takes every single one of us doing our own part in our own lives, making the change. Start where you are. Start with no longer tearing down your friends when they do well. Start lifting them up and saying to yourself, I no longer resonate with comparison. I don't compare myself to other people. I am awesome being me. I am the only awesome me that will ever be. I mean, you've got to have an expert self-concept, you know? You've got to like really vibe with yourself. Collaborate with your friends. Co-create with people you love and who inspire you. Ask people to make magic with you because that's like the real flex. Collaboration and co-creation and audience sharing and cooperation and doing things together as a family and inviting people in and creating communities where, where belonging is the default setting. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way that feels good and it feels inclusive and it feels supportive and it invites everyone to join. And when someone receives a collaborative inv invitation and when someone receives a welcome into a project or a gathering or community, that person is much more likely to be welcoming to others. So it's a thing that spreads, you know, it, when you decide we don't have to be exclusive, we don't, we don't exclude people. We don't have a rule of like only the best people can be involved in this. I don't want, I do not want anything to do with a place that makes me feel like that. If people are making me feel like you have to have some complete some test or, you know, have a look a certain way or only certain people are invited and involved and only this inner special clique is, is the chosen ones. Like, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to play like high school homecoming queen again. Thanks very much. Like I want to be part of and create inclusive communities that invite people to belong not just like, oh, we'll let you sit with us. No, we all sit together because we love each other and we're equal. That's why we have a ceremony in a circle and the fire is in the middle and the altar is there for the whole family. This stuff matters. It means something. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you're never going to get feelings of jealousy or comparison or whatever. But you get to decide how you respond to that. And over time, 
you won't feel that way anymore. You'll start to be like, wow, I'm so excited for my sister's sold out retreat. I'm so excited for my brother to have gotten that job promotion. I'm so excited for my friend who just bought some land. Like he finally bought his land. Amazing. You know, like it feels so much better to get excited for each other and support each other and like celebrate each other and collaborate. That is the antidote to competition. Yes, family. I feel fucking pumped right now. (laughs) I want to collaborate. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And once again, I want to remind you about Nest. Nest is a container of collaboration. It is a container of connection. It is a container of equality and belonging and empowerment and intuition and resonance and nurturing and making fertile soil for you to root into yourself and creating a nest in yourself for yourself as your own home. And I'm going to teach you exactly how to build your foundation for integration so that you know from day one what you need to do to create a safe space for for your medicine experiences, but not just medicine, the medicine of life. These lessons that you're learning in integration How does letting go of competition, how does it root in? Until you make it root, it's just an idea. We want to make this tangible in your life. And we're going to do, you know, we're going to do foundational stuff. We're making it cozy. It's going to be juicy. You know, I love the word juicy. Really making a soft place for your body to land. Remembering how to speak to your body and listening to your body and connecting to that intuitive North Star that you have and learning to trust yourself. So... If you're ready to join, go to my website, SinclairFleetwood.com. Get on the mailing list. I'm opening the doors in just a few days. You can sign up for the wait list and it's super limited. I'm only taking seven people. So don't wait. Don't delay. If you want to join, thanks for being here. Go out and collaborate and make magic together. Love you guys. Bye.